right, it is time to go. Our first speaker this morning is Melissa Holbrook. Make her feel very welcome. Woo, woo, woo. So about three weeks ago, I was running on the treadmill or doing something really similar to running on a treadmill, but there was a lot of heavy breathing. And um, I looked down at my phone and I saw Amber Swayza pop up across the screen. I pulled open the message. I expected some crazy gif or jif or whatever the heck those things are to be on there. And I read the message. Dan and I would like you to speak at church in three weeks at five for five. What? Are you serious? You want me? Why me? Really? Doesn't she know I'm a fail-forward Christian? Doesn't she know I'm in a constant state of confusion in my Bible? Like Saul morphed into Paul? What? Some guy got eaten by a whale? Did I miss something? I mean, for the most part, I look like a deer in the headlights at every Bible study I've ever gone to. I don't even know what an evangelist is. I'm going to have to ask that later. Dan, you can fill me in. Doesn't she know I forgot to pray before bed last night? Doesn't she know I accidentally dropped an F-bomb this week? I ain't perfect. But yet she, she asked me, how many of us question God over and over? Why are these the cards I was dealt? Why me? Why? Why now? All too often, when opportunity presents itself to grow as kingdom, we hit ourselves with self-inflicted injury. Hey, little negative self-talk. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You don't know how Saul morphed into Paul. You know nothing about nothing. What makes you think you're going to get up there and deliver a good message? Nobody's going to know what you're talking about. Why you? Why me? I mean, all too often, we go and create this imaginary measuring stick of what the unicorn Christian looks like. Right? Perfect in every way, laced in glitter. Look at that thing. It's got like a rainbow mane. I ain't got no rainbow mane. How am I going to go and make a difference? They're not going to listen to me. That measuring stick we compare ourselves to every single day. We compare ourselves to a stuffed unicorn that we've created in our minds. Guess what? It ain't real. That thing's fake. You know what we do when we compare? We prohibit ourselves from going and living out the purpose that he set for us. In Philippians 1.6, he says, Be confident that he who began a good work in you will carry it into completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Be confident. He will do the good work through you. Just be confident. That's it. Can we all agree on something? Everybody listening, if you have a pen, you should like write it down or something. It's so good. Can we all agree that the Bible wasn't written to us? It was written for us. Just as life doesn't happen to us, it happens for us. So why me? He chose me. He gave me this platform today to share a message, just as he gave everyone here today a platform to show his message, and many of you are going to get to step up here soon. He just told me I had to be confident. He told me to trust him. He told me that he would do the good work through me. He just said, show up, listen up, and step up when the time comes. It would have been so much more comfortable to say no. And trust me, it ran through my head a million times. I was thinking of which hoodie I'd wear, which one I'd like tighten up and sneak in the doors and pretend like I wasn't here today, right? I could have listened to this on podcast in my car. It would have been so much more comfortable. How many times do we choose not to speak to somebody about his love because it's uncomfortable? You just have to stay something and he'll do the rest. Today, he chose me. He chose me, the absolute perfect image of an imperfect sinner. He chose me, not that. And I am so confident when I say he chooses you every single day. 
His work is not done, and Connect, we have so much more to do. Right? Come on, let's hear some noise for that. Look around Calgary. We've got people that need us, and we choose to sit and tighten up our hoodies and walk on by? Come on, we're better than that. The next time opportunity knocks on your door to grow his kingdom, and you say, why me? Everybody get ready to clap, because I'm, I'm way ahead of time here. The next time opportunity knocks at your door, are you going to go and compare yourself to this ridiculous unicorn that you went and created in your mind? Are you going to do that? Are you going to stop yourself? Or are you going to remember that you can be confident, 100% confident? All right, start those claps. Are you going to be confident and remember that he chose you and he chooses you every single day for the rest of your life? Thank you. Wow. I mean, come on. What a way to kick it off. That was fantastic. I knew I chose her first for a reason. That was phenomenal. Thank you so much for sharing your heart, Melissa. And you're absolutely right. Part of the reason we asked you and everybody else is because you're not professional Christians. You're learning this as you go. And we think it's wonderful and beautiful. Let's welcome our next speaker, my man, Kyle Johnson. All right, good morning. Um, since, since I started coming to Connect, I really have discovered life overflowing through Jesus. I've come to know and have a, a relationship with God. I discovered freedom by joining a Connect group, and I found purpose by serving on the Dream Team. I can honestly say that I love coming to church on Sundays, serving whenever possible, and having relationship with others throughout the week. But something this good shouldn't be hoarded. It should be shared. I want to tell people I go to connect and that I'm a follower of Jesus, but to be really honest, you guys, it's tough. I wish I could get up on the stage and say that I've done an awesome job witnessing to those around me, but I don't always get it right. Oftentimes, I redirect the conversation or I avoid it entirely, and it's not because I'm ashamed of my faith or I doubt my beliefs. It's just that when I'm having a conversation with someone and I mention those two words, church or Christian, I'm typically met with opposition. A lot of people who haven't had the experience that I've had here at Connect, have associated very negative feelings to those two words, and I'm not sure I can blame them. For so many people outside the church, a Christian is someone whose primary goal is to judge you for your mistakes. And church, a place where you go to read more, give more, and do more in hopes of someday earning God's favor. A place where all the Christians gather to agree that they're somehow better than everyone else and pretend that they all have their lives together. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not suggesting this is true of all Christians, but it's certainly true of some. Now, if you didn't know God, you'd never even set foot inside of a church or flipped open a Bible, and the closest you came to Jesus were the people identifying themselves using his name. How easy would it be to assume that God thinks and feels the same way about you? That you don't measure up and aren't worthy, that what you do is more important than who you are. We, of course, know this not to be true. God's love for us is free, consistent, and abundant. But if we're going to call ourselves followers of Jesus, we need to acknowledge and accept the responsibility that we've inherited. Our actions can either confirm or deny people's misconceptions about God. We can either be the reason that people give God a chance or the reason that they cast him out of their life entirely. What we really need to understand, and what I hope you take away from today's message, is that people won't share in God's love until we show them God's love. During the Last Supper, Jesus set the bar when he said, So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. 
Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. I love this verse because Jesus' instruction is so clear. It's undeniable. None of the apostles could have doubted or questioned what Jesus meant when he said this. Jesus' words here are also vitally important. He could have given his disciples any other direction before his death. But Jesus chose to use the precious time he had left to guide their focus toward loving those around them. Is your boss getting on your nerves? Love them. Spouse forget your anniversary? Love them. Neighbor really annoying you lately? Love them too. Meet someone who doesn't agree with you or act like you? Love them even more. Jesus was willing to die for people who betrayed him, who don't know him, and who to this day reject him. Yet we often hesitate to lend a hand, forgive, or love without assurance that we get something in return. Following Jesus' example, I think there are three things that we need to put in practice in our lives. We need to remember, we need to reflect, and we need to reciprocate. We need to remember that, God's, that God loves us despite our failings. His love is a free gift to all those willing to receive it, just as our love should be to the people around us. Ask yourself, am I giving my love, or does my love need to be earned? We also need to reflect by answering the question, am I consistently loving like God is? Am I the spouse, coworker, sibling, or member of society that God put me on this planet to be? Does my love for others identify me as a follower of Christ? And lastly, we need to reciprocate. Take the abundance of love that God has given you and mirror it to the world. Shower it over the people in your influence and seize the opportunities that God gives you every day to show someone that they're noticed, they're deserving, and they're loved. I'll leave you with this. People can tell you about the ocean, but you can't truly experience its power or magnitude until you've seen it and you've felt it. You can read the lyrics to a song, but not really understand their meaning until they've been sung and played to you. The reason people deny God's love and deny the church is not because they haven't heard about it. In a world where churches are accessible, sermons are podcast downloads, and Bibles are free iPhone apps, the problem is not a lack of information. The problem is that people have never experienced God's love for them. They've never actually felt it. As his ambassadors to the world, we need to be ever mindful that people won't share in God's love until we show them God's love. Thank you. Yes. Oh, that is so good. I'll tell you, stay here for just one moment. Just a couple of weeks before our church launched in 2016, I got a message from Kyle and his wife, Kayla, and they wanted to know, what do you guys believe? Who are you? What sort of church is this? And the thing they were really driving at is, are you a community of love or are you a community of judgment? That's what they wanted to know. They showed up the very first week, and the reason they've stuck around is because the people in this theater are people of love, not judgment. And so, Kyle, we appreciate you so much sharing that word with us. Great job, buddy. Great, great, great job. All right. Our third speaker is my man, Jackie Gang, or the gangster, the gangster. Make him feel very welcome. All right, let's get into it. I just feel the anointing of Drake just holding this mic for some reason. Anyway, I'm going to read to you from 2 Corinthians 4, chapter 4, verse 7. So here we go. Just, let's just get into it. It says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Skip down to verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. 
So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And I just want to quickly share with you a moment of my life where I was in the season of just, I just got out of a relationship, and I was, I was so dependent on this person and for, for fulfillment, for affection, for affirmation. And what I did was I just felt there was this empty void in my life that what I turned to was, was marijuana. And so I was in the season, and, you know, I was Christian at the time, or I claimed that I was a Christian, and I really asked God, why? Why, God, did you, why did I have to go through this pain? Why did I feel so lost and alone and empty? God, why did I feel so abandoned? And you may be asking questions yourself, like, why, God, did I get the diagnosis for that illness? Or why, God, did my spouse file for divorce? Or why, God, did someone that I love so much die of a tragic accident? You know, and I rejected God. I wanted answers, too. I just wanted to live a life free of pain. You know, and I don't know what you're going through. I'm not, I'm not minimizing your pain. But what if God gave you the answer? See, what if God gave you the agenda for your life? What if God gave you the assignment without details of the adversity? What if he gave you the explanation without allowing you to go through the experience? See, would you understand the purpose, or would you continue to live your life in a state of resentment? And you know what? I've learned that sometimes God, he'll let you walk in wonder. Yeah, he'll let you walk in wonder. If your faith and your life requires an explanation from God, it cannot sustain the trials of life. Just imagine, imagine Jesus' disciples. That Friday when he was nailed to the cross, and the one who they thought would redeem the world, he was nailed to that cross, and they walked into Saturday. That, that Saturday, that space of confusion, of uncertainty, of not knowing why you're going through what you're going through, not knowing if you're going to see the other side, not knowing the disciples, not knowing if Jesus is really going to raise from the dead. See, could you be walking in a Saturday of your own? And I'm telling you that the presence of pain in your life does not mean the absence of God in it. Paul says he's hard-pressed on every side. Come on, how many of you have been hard-pressed? Pressure from every side. Paul, with adversity, with affliction, with attack. How can someone who has been criticized, who has been whipped, who has been stoned, who has been imprisoned, how can he say that his troubles are small? That, that boggles my mind because, you know what? And I realized that maybe because he wasn't staring at what he was going through, he was seeing what God sees. He was seeing what the trials were producing. And you know what? The moment I gave my life to Christ, honestly, I was, I was scared for my life. It was out in the city, out in the middle of the city, in, at someone's house, outside in a shed. And I was scared for my, for my life because that night I was in a car with someone that was driving drunk, and I thought my life was going to end that night. You know what? I knew that I couldn't make it on my own. My life, I couldn't do it on my own, that I needed hope. Come on, I needed a savior. And I'm, you know, I'm early on time, but I'm telling you the hope that I have. A hope that is unshakable. A hope that is an anchor for my soul. Come on. The solid rock, my foundation. Come on, I'm telling you, God is good. God is faithful. He will never leave nor forsake you. Come on, he is my hope. My hope, even when I'm hurting. My hope, even when I'm crying. My hope, even when... I'm suffering. Come on. He is my hope. I'm really on time. Give him a shout of praise. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to take a note or two from that playbook. That's good right there. 
really, really great job. Um, you know, the truth is, Jackie, you're voicing questions that basically every one of us have. Why me? Why this? Why that? And this is a place where questions are welcome. And in truth, Christianity is a religion in which questions are welcome. Throughout the Bible, people ask God why, and he's okay with that. He's not like, shut up and take it. He says, ask, and I'll give you some answers. And when you don't have answers, you're going to learn to trust that I'm good and I'll see you through. Oh, man, that's fantastic, Jackie. Great job, buddy. Great job. All right, our next speaker is the very lovely Barbara Corbell. You guys make her feel welcome. Dear God, I promise I will do better this time. I heard what the pastor preached today, and I have some new tools to make it happen. I will get up earlier every day to have my quiet time, and I will read my three chapters right away in the morning and get it done with. You will see, this time I will do it and stick to it. This was my experience with the Christian life most of the time. I worked so hard to please God, to make him see that I was worthy. I tried to do everything that was suggested in church or in Christian books to feel close to God. And yet, nothing I did brought this abundant life I so often heard for and yearned for. How many times was I sitting in church and crying with such deep longing to know the life Christ had promised? Christianity wasn't working for me. It was a constant struggle to live up to what was, what was expected of me, and I failed big time. You see, I believed there was something deeply wrong with me. If only I could fix that, surely then I would be okay and God could love me and accept me. If only I did all the right things, then the God up in heaven would like what he saw. How little did I understand who God is. And then, just as I had made a huge mess of my life, God spoke truth into it. And this is what my Heavenly Father said to me. Barbara, you don't need fixing. You see, when you received Jesus and believed in him, I did something amazing and supernatural in you. I took you out of the domain of darkness and transferred you to the kingdom of my son, you no longer belong to Adam's family, but to my family. You are one of my own. I didn't improve you or make you better. I had to exchange your old life for a new life because the old life was under the power of sin and death. I needed to crucify that life and give you a brand new one. This new life, this new creation that you are now is no longer under the influence of the power of sin and death. I freed you from it. You are now in my son, and it is his life that now lives in you. So many of my children only believe that my son died for their sins, and that is true. Yet, there is so much more. He also died to give them life, his life. You can't live the Christian life. Only he can. When he lived on earth, he did nothing of his own. He fully depended on me, and I did it all through him. I now gave you his life so that you too fully can depend on him. He is your source and your strength. In him I have given you everything to live a godly life. What I want you to see is that you are not the same. I did it all for you. You are acceptable to me. You are righteous and you are so loved. I want you to know that I like you a lot too. 
You don't need to try to earn my love or perform for me. That was the old you. Remember, the old has passed and you are a new creation. Think of that and ponder it. My spirit will agree with your spirit that this is truth. Yes, I know you have questions and the one that worries you so much is, then why do I still sin so much when you made me a new creation? At the core, you are a spiritual being who has a soul and lives in a body. Your true identity is in your spirit, and that is what I made new. Your soul is made up of your mind, will, and emotions, and then, of course, you have a physical body. You still have your old thinking, and it takes time for me to renew your mind. You are still being deceived into believing that you can make life work in your self-effort, and, of course, that is a lie. But trust in me. Remember who you are in my son, and that you now can choose to sin or not to sin. And when you do sin, I will remind you that this isn't who you are and that sin doesn't suit you anymore. You are a new creation and in perfect harmony with me. I want you to depend on my son, his life in you and who you are now. These truths will renew your thinking and you will find that as you rejoice and live these truths, your preoccupation with sin will pass. Live out of who you truly are. I dance over you. And I'm delighted in you always. Who you are is not determined by your behavior or feelings or circumstances. It is determined by what I have done for you. My truth alone is your reality. Love always, your dad. That is so, so good. I'll tell you, before I introduce our final speaker... Um, every single Sunday, Miss Barbara catches me out in the lobby, and she says, Dan, that was a great message, which, by the way, is a wonderful thing to hear after you've just laid your soul bare in the spotlight, so make sure you tell these guys how much you appreciated what they shared this morning, all right? But... She always says, you know, this reminded me of that. This verse that you said reminded me of that verse that I had read, and it reminded me of God's love. And I'll be honest, the first few times I heard her say these things, I thought, maybe she doesn't really think I'm doing a very good job. She's correcting me. You know what I came to realize? She keeps saying these things because she believes them so deeply, because she lived for so long in a, in a, a contract or a relationship with God in which she thought she had to produce in order to be accepted. And so when she says that she hears God tell her every single day, no, no, you're good as you are. You're accepted as you are because I am your father and I love you. She means that in every fiber of her being. Wonderful job, Barbara. Thank you so much. And... Batting cleanup. It's my, I know cleanup is fourth, okay? I'm American. I play baseball. But just the same, the final speaker that we have is Jordan Gilbert. And guys, I want you to make him feel very, very welcome this morning. We may not always understand what God is telling us right when we receive his word. God doesn't expect us to always. However, he encourages us to listen to him. And when the time is right, we will understand. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Isaiah 61.1. During our New Year's Day service this past year, as we all sat here in the theater listening to Pastor Dan, we were asked mid-service to look under our seats for one of a few Bible verses that had been placed throughout. While this may have seemed random, God knew where we were going to sit that morning. When I first read it through to myself, how could I even come close to accomplishing anything in this verse? 
me, a regular guy, relatively new to faith, was anointed to proclaim freedom to the captives, good news on behalf of the Lord, and to bind up the brokenhearted? I was in serious question of this and rather overwhelmed. Pastor Dan assured us that God would, on his time, align our upcoming year with our verse. It's hung on my Bible verse board since that day. When Pastor Dan asked me to speak, that verse kind of jumped off the board at me as I felt the Holy Spirit encouraging me to look closer at the words. After reading this verse over and over, I broke it down into three parts and compared them to how things in my life the past year fit. It was very enlightening to see how God directed me on these three avenues. Proclaim good news to the poor. When I read this part, I couldn't figure out how to take the word poor. My conclusion, bring good news to those poor or growing in faith and make them rich. With God's help, I've been able to encourage someone close to me to attend church a few times, listen to Pastor Dan's services online, and begin reading the Gospels. Much like myself and many others, reading the Gospels and bringing the story of Jesus into our lives was a huge step into gaining currency in our faith. My hope is that by my encouragement, this person too can begin building their currency. I've also been able to share my story of coming to faith with family and friends around me, expressing the joy that he has provided me, telling how gracious our God is and the unbelievable love he has for all of us. Bind up the brokenhearted. This part of the verse was executed in me just recently, where I found myself in a tearful, fearful situation regarding an acquaintance's family. I sat there silent in fear of myself when I felt the Holy Spirit come over me, pushing me to offer something. I blurted out, I will pray for your family, and sat there frozen. With this person not knowing me well or my faith, and I not knowing them all that well, my prayers were accepted with thanks. Now, whether or not this would constitute binding up the brokenhearted, I don't know. What I do know is that God pushed me that day to offer something that he felt I could. I've learned that sometimes, even knowing you're on someone's mind or in their prayers can be a comforting feeling. Proclaim freedom for the captives and release from the darkness. I recently finished an eight-month program called Freedom Session. It was my own personal journey to find freedom and began last year. My moment to proclaim freedom, it came on April 27th when I got to stand up in the front of a room of strangers and friends at our graduation. There, I got to proclaim the freedom that lies with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and boldly exclaim that no longer is there a need to be held captive by our past in darkness, but look forward to a freeing future in the light with Him. Now, what's the point of all this other than a story of how my year has gone? God's word is constantly speaking. Whether it's very specific or something developed over a period of time, whether we hear him right away or perhaps it takes him a couple tries to get our attention, God's word is constantly speaking. Okay, now who is sitting here wondering what God has been trying to tell them? What direction is he trying to steer you in? We aren't always going to know how things fit or what his plan is. However, what we can do is listen have faith in him, and be willing to act when encouraged. God has a distinct plan for each and every one of us. It's up to us to do our part in the relationship and follow his path. The best part? He brought us his son, the Messiah, Emmanuel, our Savior, our Redeemer, the way, the truth, the life, to walk alongside us on that path as we navigate our way to him. Reach out to our Lord, the Christ Jesus, and let us walk alongside him down the path following the word to our Heavenly Father.